And it should bother you if one of your friends, your relatives that was on fire for the Lord, and all of a sudden they're, they're gone. Because they have built their life. That was right in their own eyes. And they have to go back. Now, we're going to change gears here in a little bit as we dive into the Word of God. So if you would, uh, please turn with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, if we could all stand uh, for the reading of the Word of God. John chapter 17. Verses 20 to 23. Now, before I read it, this is, let's just go back to where this was being written. Now, Christ just took a time uh, from John chapter 14 telling the disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So, God. Jesus Christ is preparing the disciples because he's about to leave. Okay, and in our setting in John chapter 17, this was just before Judas brought in uh, the people with, with them to, to take Christ. And this was before Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find our text in, in chapter 17. And Jesus Christ is praying in this chapter. As a matter of fact, he's praying for you. In this chapter. Now, this took place a couple thousand years ago, but Christ was praying for you in our very text this morning. Notice with me in verse 20. He goes on to say, Neither, he goes on to pray, Neither pray I for these alone which are with him, were with him, but for them also which what? Shall believe. If you are saved today and if you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a prayer that Christ was praying in regards to you. And God says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Verse 21, That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. I think your theme this year is the world needs Jesus. Is that right? It's true. But if you read our text in what we just read, we can see that there is a prerequisite in order to be a great witness in order for them to believe, in order for the world to believe that thou hast sent me. Can you see that in the end of verse 21? And the prerequisites are found in verse 20 and 21 where it says here, uh, I'll, I'll talk more about that in a little bit, but in verse 21, just shortly, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou has sent me. And this morning, I'd like to preach a message entitled, The Heart of God. John the Disciples is known as the John the Beloved because he, he would lean in Jesus' bosom 
And this morning, as by the grace of God, I'd like us to draw a little closer to Christ and hear the beat of his heart. You know what it would take to hear that this morning? You need to take to pay attention to what we're going to talk about. I don't know about you, my wife and I, we're expecting, and we have this Doppler, and you know, it's hard to hear the heartbeat of the child if we're talking, if we're distracted, but you have to pay attention and close attention to be able to hear. And when you hear it, and when we heard it, oh, what such a joy to be able to see what God uh, has uh, going on there in that little babe. But same is true with what we have today. If God see it fit, for us to be able to see a little bit about his heart, I think it would be glorifying to him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, Lord, I need words and wisdom. I have people in my midst, Lord, that I don't know where they're at. My Lord, Lord, I ask that you would just touch the hearts of thy people. If they are lost, they would get saved. If they are saved, they would live the Christian life and draw closer more to you. Lord, I ask for liberty to preach because you're greater than the enemy, Lord. Open our eyes so that we can see and our ears so that we can hear. Lord, I love you and bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm not an emotional preacher. You can ask my mom about that. I'm not an emotional person. But the Lord has been burdening my heart in regards to this text. And I could not hide it. So this morning, I'd like to visit the heart of God, and I'll give you my points so you can follow along. But I have three points this morning. The first is about the Word, followed by the walk, and finally it finishes with the witness. The Word, the walk, and the witness. Notice with me in verse 20. Where it says, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. By way of testimony, if you're saved today, would you raise your hand? Glory. You can put your hands down. The Bible says here, Christ is praying for you. He's praying for me. Because we have believed on him through the word. You know, the book of John, if you study it, one word that sticks out a lot is the word believe. In this verse, it says, believe on me. That's what salvation is all about. That's about having him as our savior. Is if we would just believe on him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whosoever, and I'm so glad it's whosoever. I'm going to say it again. I'm glad that it's whosoever. It doesn't matter if it's red, white, brown, black, whatever the color is. God says, 
whosoever uh, shall believe on him should not, have, should not perish but have everlasting life. And it says in our text here, for them which shall believe on me through their word. But notice with me verse 3. So back up a little bit. We can go back to verse 2 of chapter 17 as a matter of fact. And it says here about Christ, as thou hast given him power over all flesh. And in the Sunday school this morning, that was such a joy with Brother Rob. And just to, 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 be, to remember the application that God is sovereign. And you know, Jesus Christ, he has the power over all flesh. That he should what? Give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. I'm so glad that the, that the, the blood of Christ is not limited. It's kind of like Niagara Falls that it just keeps pouring down year after year. And just the blood of Christ, oh, what a fountain. Oh, there is a fountain filled with blood. I'm so glad it continues even to our day. But notice with me verse 3. And this is life eternal. This is eternal life. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Now, with this verse, I want to ask you a question. For some of us that, that had raised our hand a while ago, saying we're saved, let me ask you this question. When did eternal life begin then, personally? If you know the answer, you can say it. When does eternal life begin, Brother Blair? That's correct. Eternal life begins when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ and believe on Him. It is true that when we think about eternal life, we think about heaven. But we live in a time to where we have Christians that won't walk with Him and enjoy eternal life now because they think eternal life is when we get to heaven. Can I submit and tell you this morning, eternal life doesn't begin in heaven. It begins when we accept and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why, why am I emphatic about this one? Because in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the Bible says, The thief cometh to kill and to destroy, but God said, Christ said, But I have come that they might have what? Life and what? An abundant life. Now, I ask you this morning, Christian, are you living an abundant life? Or are you dragging your feet saying, it will happen when I get to heaven? No, Christ said you can have eternal life and we can have an abundant life. Oh, what a beautiful thing that is. Life eternal. Notice what it says here, how it's described in verse 3. I'm so glad for heaven. I'm so glad I can't wait to get to heaven. Uh, they were singing a while ago, are you ready for the trumpet? Are you ready for the call? Ah, part of me is 50-50. Can I be honest and say that? I'm excited to go to heaven, but you know what? I can, I can go back to Philippines, and I can have faces in front of me and think about the lost souls, my lost relatives that are there. I can think about my lost dad today, and I can see his face, and I can say, Lord, hold on, if I can just... Win him to you, Lord, or, or someone can just win him to you, Lord, then maybe I'll be ready. 
I don't know if where, I don't know where you're at, but that's where I'm at. Sure, I, I'm excited for heaven, but you know what? The world needs Jesus. And if you're honest today, if you're saved today, you can relate to what I'm talking about. You may have a brother. You may have a sister. You may have a grandpa, grandma. You, have, you may even have parents that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Can you say you really are ready? Can, can, can you say knowing that they're now going to, to a place called heaven and enjoy eternal life now in abundant life now? And can you say, I am ready, Lord, I am ready? Uh, I think most of us would, would say, Maybe 99% I'm ready, but that 1% is just burn, burning within me to be able to reach the lost souls. Can I tell you something? This verse was not written to pastors and missionaries. This verse was written to the disciples who have believed on him. Can I tell you something? That the world's needs Jesus doesn't only apply to the missionaries. It applies to all of us. Notice with me verse 7 and verse 8 as we consider the word. It says here, Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. I think I may have read that too fast, but notice what it says. Now they have known that all things, Jesus, Jesus Christ, praying and speaking to his Father, he says, whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. What basically he's saying is, Lord, the words that I even speak is not even from me. It has to come from you. And you know what? I'm so glad for the Bible. Because in the book of Judges, if you want to turn there, I want to show one verse, uh, the very last verse of the book of Judges. So it's in the Old Testament. Judges chapter 17, and I think it's verse 23, or 25, excuse me. Oh, Judges chapter 21, verse 25. I want to show you a danger here in regards to truth. Because I'm so glad about the Bible because it is built on truth. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And you know what? I want to worship God in spirit and in truth. But notice what we have here in Judges chapter 21, verse 25. It says here, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what? That which was, what does it say? Right in their own eyes. Because in, in their mind, they have this, what they call, perceived truth. Can you understand that? These people... At this time, they were living a life thinking everything was right because it was right in their own eyes. That's why I love the Bible. Because the Bible will tell you what's right and what's wrong. Brother Blair, I had a, a good testimony this morning. Uh, is that okay if I share what you were sharing uh, to me a while ago? He, he was saying he's, he's about 62 years of age. Is that right? And he, he used the word, I am deprogramming my mind. In regards to the things I have thought about, even the Bible. Because most of us here, if we're honest, we can say some truth that we believe that are true are just perceived truth. But Christ, when he was speaking, it was based on biblical truth. 
Now, it begs the question about our lives. Is it built on truth? You know, we want to destroy religion. Shake them. <laughs> Based on the truth that God has says in regards to how we can know him. Through his son, there's only one way, folks. Not many ways. Not Buddha, not Muhammad. There's no other way but Christ, the Bible says. You can shake them. And you know what? Same is true with the Christian life. If we're not careful, we can live the same way. And this is very dangerous. Because you can tell me that I'm wrong with these things, and I'm going to debate with you and say, I'm right. Because it's right in my own eyes. But the way to discuss and learn to, to grow is to go back to the Bible and says, what does the Bible says about this matter? I'm so glad Christ, when he spoke, he, he received his words uh, from his father. In verse 8, for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. If you want to know if it's True or false, shake the bush, shake the tree. Everything will fall apart. But the truth will stand. Brother Blair's testimony, you know what that implies? It implies that in growth, there has to be a change. There has to be a change. And you know, change is good, but that's one of the things we're scared about, is change. I mean, you're telling me I have to change my ways, I have to change all these things, but you know what? It's the truth. You look, you go in your backyard this morning and stare at the grass, okay? That grass will continually change. It may die around summertime when the heat is very, the sun is very hot, or it might grow in its water properly, right? Do you know one thing that doesn't change are the artificial things? But natural things, they change. They change, and same, same is true with the spiritual life. The way to, to grow in spiritual growth is from going from natural which is right in my own eyes, to spiritual, which was right in his own eyes, and living according to his will and his ways and all these things, to believe on him according to the word that he has given to us. Difference between natural and uh, artificial. The Bible says, try every spirit. And you know, I'm, a, I'm so glad we were able to come here in B.C. My, my wife's sister got married a week ago, and, and now we're here. My, my sister uh, delivered a, uh, her second, and we got to see the baby uh, for a little bit. But one thing that breaks my heart when I got back was to think of the friends that I have that have fallen away. And it should bother you if one of your friends, your relatives that was on fire for the Lord, and all of a sudden they're, they're gone. Because they have built their life that was right in their own eyes. And they have to go back. Reminds me of the, the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. You may know the story about Lee Robinson, and, and he wrote this wonderful hymn, and, and, and he, he ran away from God, and, and, and he was in a, in a train, if I'm not mistaken, and, and one of the ladies were, was humming, Come Thou Fount. I probably need to hold the notes. Ask my wife. But he said, I would give everything, I would give everything I have just to be able to get back to where I was with God. 
You know, there is a way to get back. It's what we call repentance. Let's move forward. So we see the word here. Which shall believe on me through their word, but most importantly, out of all the three points that I have, notice the walk, verse 21. The Bible says that they all may be one. It's a beautiful thing if you have a choir. When you have a choir, that is one. And I enjoyed the singing this morning. They were one. They, they were taking their parts, singing all together, singing one song. Could you imagine if one of the members of the choir decided, uh, instead of singing that song, I'm going to sing the song, Amazing Grace. It's a beautiful song, but you know what? It'll mess it all up, doesn't it? And all of a sudden, on the other side, um, someone says, you know what? I'm going to sing this song. It is a beautiful song. I like this song. Instead of what the choir director says, I'm going to sing, there is power in the blood. And I'll sing, power, 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 (laughs) wonder-working power. It may be a beautiful song, but it doesn't fit, doesn't it? There is no unity. And you know what? It's an amazing thing when a church is united. But the way for a church to be one, notice what it says here in our text in verse 21, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me. And I in thee, that they also may be one. Here's the qualifier. In order to be one as a church, in order to be one as a family unit, in order to be, to be one with your spouse, in order for, for the work of God to continue and to be witnesses, God says this has to be the prerequisite. You have to be one. But in order to do that, notice the last part of that, that verse that I just read, that they also may be one where or how. God says in, what's the word? Us. Did you catch that? Christ was saying, in order for the choir to be one, they don't have to be united together, but if they will just pick up the right hymn that I have given them, if all of them would look at me as the choir director, God says, they were playing, they, 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 the orchestra, you can put the orchestra, they can play the violin, they can play the piano, they, they can sing uh, their, their, their um, whatever you call those, bass, uh, tenor, and all those things. They can sing it all together, and you know what? It's a beautiful thing to be able to hear that. But the prerequisite is for everyone to be one with him. Then it begs the question this morning, Christians, are you one with him? Fathers, your uh, husbands and wives, your your butt-heading. The problem is you're trying to unite together. You're trying to tune your instrument with another instrument instead of tuning it with, with God. But if you're one with Him, it will be beautiful together. Husbands and wives, right there. Where are you at? Are you one with Him? Before we start talking about your spouse, I'm not talk- this is not a marriage sermon, but I'm, just, I'm trying to show you something. Because it builds up because it's the unit that God made and it, the church is the unit that God made as well. But in order for us to reach our Jerusalem, in order for us to reach the world, the Bible says, we have to be one individually with Him. Can you see that? It says that they may be one, and notice what happens when we're one. That the world may believe that Thou hast sent me. The last part doesn't apply unless the first part happens, takes place. Christ said, Tarry ye in Jerusalem until ye be powered, well, um, until ye be powered 
uh, from on high, okay? And so they didn't start witnessing right away. What they did was they were in the book of Acts. They were together in, what, what's the word? One accord. Then it begs the question, Christian, individually. I'm not talking about missionaries. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about you personally. Are you walking with him? I'm not going to emphasize on reaching the people. I want to emphasize on are we walking with him? Are you closer to God today than ever before? In Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, it seems as if God created them to walk with him because Christ was walking the cold of the day and expecting Adam and Eve to be there. But guess what? They were not there. Why? Because they were in sin. Because Amos 2 and 2 says, chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Let me emphasize this in a, in a different way. There is a great difference between walking with God and God walking with me. Let me say it again. There's a difference between walking with God and God walking with me. Walking with God is, Lord, I surrender my will, my life. It's all yours. You lead the way and guide and direct it. And that's the right way. I beseech you, brethren, Romans chapter 12, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. But there is a mindset in Christians nowadays that says, God, you walk with me. I'm going to go this way, and Lord, I, I, please bless me. I'm going to take this route in my life, you know what, and, and do all these things, and Lord, would you just, take, just bless me where I'm heading? It doesn't work that way. I have a son, his name is Carson. And we were walking. Um, Carson is still young. He's almost four. And, and I think I can say I know more than him at this moment in regards to knowing traffic lights, in regards to knowing where to walk, and in regards to understanding what he can handle and all these things. Do you know that we can trust God to lead the way? And in our text this morning, it is a hard message to preach. I was telling my wife a while ago, I'm nervous. Yes, this is my sending church, but I'm nervous. Because this is where the rubber meets the road, Christians. We want God to reach the world. I want to do it, Lord, but you're going to have to do it with my neighbor. Use that missionary. Lord, let's reach the world, but you know, let's use the pastors here and let them get the job done. Lord, let's reach the world. But you know, it doesn't work that way. God says, all of us can reach the world if we, we are one with him. There is a truth in First Peter, I'm not going to turn there, where it talks about the conversation of the wife which are saved can win the, the, the unsaved husband. Maybe the reason why we have so many unsaved husbands is because we have saved wives that are not one with him. Maybe we have a lost city because we have a church that is not one with him and they can see it and says, what is there for me? I mean, we live the same way. We walk the same route. It just looks different. But when we're one with him, the Bible says here that, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So we see the word, we see the walk. I want to ask you again, 
How's your walk this morning? If you're lost today, you're going to have to believe on him first, then you're going to start walking. How's your walking? It's not God that leaves us, it's us that leaves him. In Revelation, it says, Thou hast left thy first love. You didn't lose him. Praise the Lord when we're safe. We don't have to worry about that, but we have left him. But we can go back. We can go back. But notice finally the witness. The last part of verse 21, it says here, That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. In verse 23, it says, I in them and thou in me, that they may be perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Verse 25, O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. And these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. I don't think I give you a few things from walking. I got to go back there. But you may ask this morning, is it possible to walk with God in a time that we live in? I would say yes. In the days of Noah, the Bible says that the evil was corrupt and there's violence everywhere, but Noah walked with God. There's no excuse. But the reason why we walk with God, here it is in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. I think I made em enough emphasis on witnessing. But I'm more concerned about walking. In Revelation chapter 4, 4 and verse 11, the Bible says, here's why we walk with him. I'd like to read this beautiful verse to you. Verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. God created you and I. And God is worthy to receive glory. The power in the Christian life is found when we walk with Him. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. Oh, Christian. Lord is coming soon. I'd like to share this truth to you. It's been a few years, but when we were here, before we were sent out, Pastor White gave this check by prayer. How many of you remember that? That write something on this check. You know, one thing, if you can ask the Lord, write it on a check. Uh, and it says, they're signed by God. Remember that, Pastor White? How many of you remember that? I'd like to share the one word that I wrote there. It's this word. Revival. Revival is not for lost. They are recipients for it. When the Christians get back and worship Him and walk with Him, then it flows. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, I'd like to read the verse. I'll pass it to Pastor Wayne. Verse 14. 
Notice what it says. If my people. Are you his people? This this if is for us. Which are called by my name. Shall humble themselves and pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. And will heal their land. I am not mad. I am just burdened. I'm burdened for your relative. I'm burdened for the souls in the city. When you get here near to the heart of God, like John did, you get to hear the heartbeat of God in regards to every soul. That's the way. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.